Well, last time we spoke, the last thing we read was verse number 30, which says, as he spoke these words, many believed in him. Jesus had been expounding. He talked about at the water ceremony, he talked about the fact that he was that fountain of living water and would make living water spring up in anyone who believed. At the light ceremony, as they lifted those candelabras and lighted up every evening, he said at the peak of it, I am the light of the world. And he spoke to the people and many that were there that were listening, it says in verse number 30, they believed in him. Well, we do that here. We strive for constancy here at Grace in preaching, teaching, and witnessing to the gospel in hopes that many will trust, many will believe. But we just read a moment ago that Jesus did not immediately affirm their faith. He didn't say, I affirm your faith and welcome to the family. He tested their faith. He tested their profession. Strangely, in verse 31, he said, if, boy, that's a big word. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Somebody might be thinking, what? What is Jesus saying? You mean there's more to becoming God's child than just simple faith? No, there's no more. It's by grace alone, through faith alone, we are born into the family of God. As many as receive him, to them he gives the power to become the sons of God, even to those who believe in his name. So there's nothing beyond belief except this. Jesus is saying that true believers truly continue to believe, and that obedience is the evidence of their faith. Now, that's, the, that's, what I, that's my postulation this morning. That's what I'm going to put out there as the main issue. Here it is. True believers truly continue to believe, and obedience is the evidence of their faith. We read verse 30. Look down to verse number 59. Verse 59, same passage. Here is the response of those who heard him say that. Verse 59, they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them and so passed by. (laughs) It starts off in verse 30, and many believed in him. And the same crowd picked up stones and was ready to kill him, to destroy him. Well, something happened. What happened? What went on from the time they were believing to the time they were picking up stones? Now, let's don't get cute and let's don't start trying to bifurcate, divide up the idea of being a, being a believer and being a disciple. Let me just say it this way. All true believers are disciples, that is followers, but on the contrary, not all true disciples are necessarily believers. Let that set on you for a moment. All true believers are disciples. There's no separation of that in the scriptures. Uh, We don't become believers and then later become disciples. However, the scripture records many occasions of those who professed to be disciples who were not true believers and therefore not true disciples. In John chapter 6, Jesus had given the bread of life discourse. He said, I am the bread of life. It wasn't that Moses gave you that bread in the wilderness. My father gave you that bread, that manna, but I'm the true bread. I came down from the father and everyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood will have a part in the father. You will have eternal life. He was speaking symbolically of taking Jesus, believing Jesus, completely receiving what he was saying, both his person and his message. 
they followed those that were with him at that time. Listen to verse number 66 of, of John 6. The people who heard him say that said, or this is what they did. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. True believers are always disciples, but some who profess to be disciples have never believed. Let that be a sobering thought for us this morning. They were like those in the parable of the soils and the sower where the seed fell on shallow or rocky soil. They immediately received the seed, but when difficulty came or something happened or the cares of this life came, they quickly ceased to be believers, ceased to follow, and they were not fruitful. So many times it seems like people believe, but something just wasn't right. They eventually walk away. Jesus is talking about this very thing in this passage. It's as if they were trying to get started and they made a good profession, but there was no true possession and they did not continue. Now in my garage at home in the winter, it gets really cold. Now I have installed an electric heater in the, Matt Tesdale installed me an electric heater and here is the story. Before I used that, I always had, an, uh, had a kerosene heater in there. Bonnie hated it because the thing stinks when you use it, but had a kerosene heater and I had to bring in kerosene and I had this little pump of a thing, you know, it was, had a big, you stuck it in, you stuck it in the, uh, the fuel can and you stuck the other end down the kerosene heater, had a little thing you tighten on the top and had a little pump. You just pump, 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 pump. And you try to get that thing going. Well, if it had a hole in it, which they got holes in them all the time, I had to keep buying them. They're like five bucks and they were terrible. I just keep squeezing them, get a hole in them or the little thing wouldn't tighten down and, and you would start pumping and it would start the kerosene in there and then it would just back off, work yourself to death. And I never would get it going because it just seemed like the thing would lose its prime. It's kind of like it seems like some believers lose their prime. Some people make a profession of faith and they don't continue. They just start and then they stop. And this passage of scripture is a great revelation to us. Jesus in John chapter 2, verse 23, 22, 23 and following, on another occasion said that there were many that committed to him, trusted in him, but he didn't believe in them because he knew what was in them. In other words, he knew they didn't truly believe, but they were just trying to get on the bandwagon of a political change. John 6 said they didn't continue to follow him. Ah, it's just so amazing how often that is true. But what we understand from the scripture is true disciples continue in his word and true disciples are set free and they're liberated. They're delivered from the dominion of sin. Those whose faith is real and have saving trust, those who are truly actual in reality, disciples of Jesus will continue, they will remain, they will abide in both faith and obedience to his word. So let me give you a statement here. By faith we are saved and continued obedience is the evidence. By faith we are saved and through continued obedience, we see the evidence. We talk about this subject, the perseverance of the saints. For you who lean toward Calvinism out there, it's one of the big five. The perseverance of the saints. And by that, we think this. When we say that, we're thinking we have committed unto him against that day our salvation. And we know that he is able to keep that that we committed against him. And here's what it says in First Peter, which is a beautiful passage. Chapter 1, verse 5, it says that we are kept 
by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. How many of you have called on the name of the Lord Jesus to be your savior and you sincerely mean it with all your heart? Just raise your hand up. All right. Here's what I want to tell you based on the word of God. You are kept by the power of God, not your power, God's power. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? It's the power of God that keeps us safe. Nevertheless, Jesus said this. He said, true believers follow Jesus and they don't stop. That's what this passage is all about. John, the same one that wrote the gospel of John in his epistle in 1 John chapter 2, verse 19 says this. Listen to these words. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. To put it shortly, they were with us, they decided they didn't believe, and they walked away, or they just quit coming. They just quit obeying. Now, we're not talking about they switched church memberships and they went to another church but continued to follow the Lord. No, no, no. We're talking about they made a profession, but it wasn't what they thought it was, and they backed away and they ceased to continue. This is the what I'm positing this morning for all of us is this fact. True believers continue according to Jesus. This is what the word of God says. So the shallow faith of the Jews in verse number 30 wilted when Jesus said the truth will make you free. When he said the truth will make you free, it started a series of criticisms and debates. The first thing they wanted to talk about was why would you say set us free? We've never been slaves. That's verse 33 to 36. Why, we're Abraham's descendants. We've never been in bondage. Well, the truth is they have been in bondage. They were, they were in literal bondage in Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Syria. And at that moment, were under the foot of Rome. They had, his, they had their foot on their throat. They couldn't do anything. They had been in bondage. But they knew that he was talking about something beyond that. And he even told them that in the next verse or two. They must have known he meant more than literal or political slavery because they immediately brought the idea out that Abraham was their forefather. But Jesus wanted them to know, no, not about that. You are enslaved in sin. Look at verse 34. Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. That word commit is this active, progressive, continuance. It's a lifestyle. It's the way you live. And you just don't take any thought. You do what you want to do and you don't think anything about it. Don't worry what God thinks. That's, that's you commit sin. It's your lifestyle. It's what you do. It's not that you slipped up. They were blind to what he was saying. They couldn't get it. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 tells us why. Satan, the God of this age, is busy blinding people to the gospel and to their enslavement to sin. They don't understand they're slaves to sin, but they are. They were. I just want to say this to you this morning. Everybody on this planet who is a human is a slave of sin until Jesus sets us free. And the people said, that is true. It's the word of God. The plain statement in 34, I say to you, whoever commits sin, practices habitually sin, is a slave of sin. And then he goes on to say, slaves do not inherit. They don't stay long. They are bought and sold. But here's the truth. A son inherits everything. When I was a kid, we used to sing a song in our church called Shake Hands with a Poor Boy Who Owns Everything. Because 
slaves don't inherit, but sons do. And we have just quoted John 1, 12, as many as received him, Jesus, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, as many as believe in his name. All right, all believers that truly believe, raise your hand. You will inherit. What? Eternity with God in heaven. It's beautiful. Now we have an organization that comes here on Monday night and, and they have a program that goes on. It's based on, the, on Alcoholics Anonymous. Alcoholics Anonymous has successfully gotten many, many, many people off of alcohol dependency. But I want to make an announcement to you. It has never, neither that program or any program, has ever set anyone free from sin's power. I'm going to tell you the only way to be set free from the dominion, the power, and the slavery to sin. The only way is in a person, and his name is Jesus. Jesus sets us free. It's what this passage says. And if, the, if, if Jesus, and if I set you free, you will be free truly. Indeed. It's a fact. <laughs> This is what he said. Well, then they said, well, what about our heritage? That's verse 37 to 47. What about our heritage? You know, Abraham is our father. I thought about calling this section, who's your daddy? But I didn't. Uh, so uh, we might, but, but they claimed Abraham as their father. And Jesus didn't argue about their physical lineage because in fact, the Jews were in the descendancy of Abraham, but he did refute their spiritual faith. He said, well, if you're Abraham's offspring and truly in the faith of Abraham, why are you trying to kill me? Because you are killing, you are seeking to kill me. That says it two times in the passage before this point, and it just continues until they actually do kill him. Verse 41 to 47 says something else. They had, not only did they claim Abraham as their father, they're debating now. And they said, well, we've never been in slaves. Well, Abraham's our father. And if that's not enough, God's our father. Look at verse number 41. 41. He says, you do the deeds of your father, Jesus did. And they said to him, well, we're not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Notice the dig, the dig they put on Jesus there. We're not born of fornication. What were they saying? We've heard this little rumor that you say that your father is God in heaven. You didn't have a natural father. Why, the truth is, you're just the child of fornication. That's what they were saying to Jesus. Jesus ignored it. And he went on and he talked to them. But what they said is, God is our father. Well, if God were their father, they would have, they would love Jesus because God sent him. Look at verse 42. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words, therefore you do not hear because you are not of God. If God were their father, they would love Jesus. And folks, I want to tell you, you cannot be related to God in heaven without Jesus because he is the way to God. He is the only way to God. If God were their father, they would have listened to his words. So neither do they want to receive him, nor do they want to receive his message. Why? Because they are not of God. They do not, have not, will not believe. Jesus identified their father as the devil. He points out this 
double fact about the devil, that he was a murderer from the beginning and that he's the father of lies. And when he speaks, he speaks from his own resources and out of his own ability because he's a liar. And then he turns on them and said, and what are you trying to do? You're making up lies and you're trying to kill me. Because why? Because you are of your father, the devil. Jesus told the truth. They didn't believe it. Folks, the person that belongs to God hears his voice because they did not hear his voice. They were not of God. We're going to preach on this in John 10. Jesus said something like this, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. They know me and they follow me. The number one characteristic of a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is that he has more than a weekend hobby. A follower of Jesus Christ does just that. It's real, it's continual, and we care what Jesus wants, does, and says about the way we ought to live. This is so incredibly important to us this morning because we're making discoveries. Then they start asking questions. They ask him another one here. Who do you make yourself out to be? That's verse 48 to 58. Well, in this encounter, there are three main questions asked. Where is your father? That's verse 19. He kept talking about his father making himself equal with God. And then who are you? He'd been telling them all along and by his miracles, he'd been demonstrating that he was God. And then they say, who do you make yourself out to be in verse number 53? They were very critical. First of all, they said that he was the, he was the illegitimate child of fornication. Second, they said he was a Samaritan. That means he's a half breed. Third, they said that he had a demon. They said that twice, both 48, verse 48 and 42. That's not the only time, but just here in this very debate, they're calling him all these things. He declared that he was from God. He knew God and represented God and was God's son. He said this in verse 56, Abraham rejoiced to see his day. Boy, when that Isaac thing came through, he got a real glimpse of what was coming in the future. He understood. They balked at that when he said, when you say you've seen Abraham, what are you talking about? You're not 50 years old and you saw Abraham. And then here's how he answered. Now, don't miss this. I hear this from time to time. Jesus never really said he was divine. He never really said he was God. Read the Bible. It says it over and over, but look what this says. Look what it says now in verse number 56. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old and have you seen Abraham? I could just, the, the sarcasm and the mockery in the very question is there. And Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Now, folks, when he makes that statement, he says, I am. We go all the way back to Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14 when Moses was in front of the burning bush. And he says, when you, they ask you who sent you, you tell them, I am that I am has sent you. In Isaiah chapter uh, 41 and verse 4, it's the Lord with the first and the last. I am he. Isaiah 43, 13, Jesus says, he says, look, I'm telling you who I am. I am from eternity. I am he. When Jesus says, I am, he says, I am Yahweh. I am Jehovah. In other words, you're talking to God. Folks, this is the truth and this is nothing but the truth. So that gets us to the headliner of the whole issue, the whole episode, the whole pericope. Here it is. Here's the the issue. The truth will set you free. 
This is the banner. How many of you believe in Jesus today? Say amen. I'm here to tell you that because of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, nothing has to have power over you in this life. No sin, no domination, no slavery and sin has to have power over you in this life because the truth will set you free. Oh, this is so very important. So here's three things, two things. There's just two points and a bunch of sub points because you know, it's me and I'm talking. And so the first point is true disciples. This is it. Don't miss it. True disciples continue in his word. Look at this. If you abide in my word, boy, that big if there, isn't it there? There it is. If you abide in my word, verse number 31, you see that word indeed, it means truly or truly. It's a matter of fact. Three things about continuing in his word. If I'm going to continue in his word, if I'm going to be that kind of person that stands on his word, believes in his word, then first I affirm the truth. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you this. Truth that is absolute never becomes obsolete. It may be out of fashion, out of favor, out of friends, but it is never out of date. Truth is always true, no matter what century you find it. What is true is not only true yesterday, today, and forever, but it's true for you, and it's true for me, and it's true for all of us. And where do we find this truth? Okay, Pastor, you got me. Where do we find the truth? In a person. His name is Jesus. You remember John 1, 14? The word became flesh and he dwelt among us and we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the father. And he was full of grace and you tell me truth, truth in a person. Here it is. John 14, six, we're going to come to it. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. There is no truth without Jesus. He is the truth, the fountain of truth, the source of truth, the embodiment of truth, personification of truth. He is truth. Where do we find truth? We find it in the word of God. The word of God. The one who gives the word is Jesus and then the word that he speaks is truth. We're gonna preach on this one for a week. John 17, 17, sanctify them. Lord, set them apart, build them up, make them holy. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is true. If you got a copy of this this morning, whether it's on your cell phone or whether you got it in your lap, I want you to show it to me this morning. Where is it? Where's your copy? Let me tell you something. God's been so good to us. He's been good to you. Why? Because we've got the truth. Here it is. We started the first of the year with begin, and I said, oh, begin. Please read it. Read it every day. Find some, read, follow our plan. We're going to give you another one. The first of April, read through the Bible. He said, well, I've already messed up. Well, pick it up where you left off and keep going. Read, read the word of God. Submit to the word of God. Don't read the word of God with contemplation, consideration, and let me see what it says and see what I think about it. No, read the word of God with a predisposition of obedience. Oh, Lord, reveal it to me and I will obey. Oh, truth, the word of God, John 18, 37, Jesus answered, you say rightly that I'm a king. He's talking to Pilate. You say rightly that I'm a king. For this cause I was born. And for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. He, he came to die for our sins and he came to point out the truth. He is the truth. He lived the truth. He tells the truth. Amen, we have the truth. They affirm the truth. We're talking about people who continue in his word. They affirm the truth and they accept the truth. You're gonna know the truth, verse 32. The word there, 
doesn't mean just to know in your head. It means to accept in your heart, the seed of volition, the seed of decision in your mind and heart. Here's where the real battle begins. We need to affirm that there is truth. And it's another thing to know what the truth is. It's another thing to accept it with your heart. And I pray today that you have and are believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. You, Christ, you receive him, trust him, that you have entrusted your entire safekeeping and future and eternity into the hands of Jesus. You know, the buzzword of this day we're living in is not truth, but tolerance. Not truth, forget the truth. We just need to be tolerant. We are to be tolerant of the actions of others, even if, they believe, if we believe they are morally wrong. We are to be tolerant of the attitudes of others, even if we think they are socially destructive. We are to be a tolerant of the assertions or the declarations uh, anyone makes, even if we can prove that those assertions are wrong according to the truth. Now, look, let me make it very, very plain. When it comes to the way we treat each other, even people who deny the truth, the way we treat each other, personally, we should never be intolerant, bigoted, arrogant, or just cranky. Folks, I don't quote Catholics very often, but I'm going to quote one this morning, a guy named Bishop Sheen. He said this, and listen, I'm going to read it slowly. He said, tolerance applies only to persons, but never to the truth. Intolerance applies only to truth, but never to persons. Tolerance applies to the erring. Intolerance to the error. He added, tolerance applies only to persons, but never to the truth or principles. And about these things, the principles of truth, we must be intolerant. Right is right if nobody is right. And wrong is wrong if everybody is wrong. And in this day and age, we need not a church that is right when the world is right, but we need a church that is right when the world is wrong. He said that in 1932. He was a prophet, wasn't he? Folks, without truth, lasting morality is impossible because without an unchanging standard of truth, that only comes from an unchanging God, right and wrong just become a matter of opinion and that's the world we're living in. If ultimate truth comes from God, it can never change because God never changes. If truth comes from God, it can never be untruthful because God cannot lie. If truth comes from God, then truth can never be wrong because my God and the God of the word of the, of the word of God is never wrong. We affirm the truth, we accept the truth, and then, of course, we must apply the truth. They walk in the truth. By grace through faith, we have been saved, and obedience is the proof. Now, I'm just going to stop commenting and read some scriptures. This is the Word of God, black ink on white paper. Make sure you hear this now. God's words, not my words. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, John's 14, 15. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love, John 15, 10. The one who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him, 1 John 3, 24. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, 1 John 5, 3. Now the truth is useless if we don't live by it. You know, if the doctor says to you, you have dangerous blockages in your heart and you fail to cancel your trekking uh, event where you're going to climb K2, you're a fool because you're not acting according to the truth. 
You're headed for disaster. And truth is not just for the head. Truth is for the seat of volition, our heart. The mind learns the truth. The heart should love the truth. And the will lives the truth. So true disciples. True disciples continue in his word. True disciples are truly set free. Truly set free. Now, I've never met anyone in my life that did not need to be set free from something. Maybe you are locked in a prison of pride or you are confined in the jail of jealousy. Maybe you are chained in the bondage of bitterness or maybe you are confined in a guardhouse of guilt. Once you know the truth about sin and that sin is the cause of all of your problems, we need to know that sin is the warden of all of our prisons. Once you learn the truth, And that on your own, you will never get out of that prison. You are in and that there's no escape hatch. You don't have a key once you learn the truth about the Savior that Jesus can unlock any prison door and Jesus can redeem you from any sin. Then the truth will set you free. Jesus said, if I make you free, if the Son makes you free, you will be free truly. Indeed, as a matter of fact. The truth will set us free. Folks, salvation's freedom is a gift, not some inheritance from our, from our forefathers. It's a gift. This freedom cannot be had from religious backgrounds or succession of race or family or from anything inherent in ourselves. It's given personally by Jesus Christ himself. It is a gift. I hear people from time to time talking about being raised in a Christian country when they were small. There's never been such thing as a Christian country. There's only Christian individuals people who are believers. Salvation's freedom is eternal. It's not temporary. Brothers and sisters, look at verse number 35. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Look at that word right there, forever. You say, what's this all about? Well, if you're a son indeed, and you've been set free indeed, and if you belong to the family of God indeed, then you are a son. Not like a slave who gets traded, who gets shifted off, and who, you know, you just wear them up, use them up, throw them out. No, 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 no. This is, no, no. A son abides forever. So what's this about? This is for, about forever salvation. Are you a believer in Jesus Christ today? Do you intend to follow him with your heart and light and say you're perfect? None of us are perfect. But if the direction of our life is to follow him, then I'm here to tell you something. Your salvation is eternal. Your salvation is with the father and his son. Your salvation is in heaven. Your salvation is beyond the reach of of rust and corruption and hate and murder and rape. It's beyond all of that. It's in heaven. Aren't you glad you're saved today? And it's forever, forever, forever. Salvation's freedom is eternal. Salvation's freedom is expressed in obedience, not independence. 35, the slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Martin Luther said it this way, our freedom is not the freedom to do as we want, but the freedom from being controlled by our fallen hearts in order to do as God wants. True freedom is not the liberty to do anything we please, but the liberty to do what we ought. And it's genuine liberty because doing what we ought now pleases us. I can't tell you about happier people than they begin to live out the will of God in their life and all of a sudden joy is unspeakable and full of glory because finally for the first time they're doing what they were created to do. Serve God. So let's zoom in on it. We'll finish right here. Zoom in. Jesus said, here's the truth. The name of my sermon is The Truth Is. Well, here it is. The truth is disciples continue in God's word. 
two-word summary of my whole layout this morning. Disciples persevere. They continue. They don't start and stop. It's not up and down like a yo-yo. It's not on again, off again. It's not a weekend hobby. It's we're following the Lord Jesus. He matters every day of the week and his will is important and we're delighted with him. Saints persevere. Can you say that? Saints persevere. That was without much feeling and heartfelt uh, emotion. Come on now. Saints persevere. We continue. That's the whole sermon. The truth is disciples are set free from sin's bondage. Disciples serve the Savior and not sin. Pastor Phil, what do I need to do about this this morning? What do I need to do? Well, first of all, I, me, Phil, I examine myself, my profession in my life. I look at myself. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. A lot of folks don't like to read this verse, but here's what it says. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified, test yourself. Is this real? I mean, do I just have words coming to my, out of my mouth and these lofty thoughts in my head? Or do I have this hunger for righteousness in my heart? Do I care what God thinks? Do I really want to follow him? And when I sin, is it a burden? Do, does the burden of guilt drive me to my knees to ask for his forgiveness? Where he says, if, any, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us, give us our sins. Or do we just sin without any thought? Do we just, you see, we have to examine ourselves. Oh, and this is really going to really going to affect us all. What do I do? Well, I examine myself, and then second, I consider my family. Did they continue? Have they made a profession? Have they done this or that or made some kind of lip service thought? But, oh, yeah, there's a God I believe in. But did, 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 did they continue? I'm not writing the Bible, folks. I'm just preaching and reading what it says. Here's, here's what it says. Saints persevere. Disciples follow. People that are true disciples continue in his word. They affirm it. They accept it. And they apply it. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says true saints persevere. True saints follow. So please don't hold on to a false hope in your heart that anybody in your life, brother, sister, mother, aunt, cousin, sons, daughters, husbands, wives, don't hold it into your heart if they just have no care whatsoever what God says, what he thinks. I don't care where they went to church. I don't care if they got baptized three times forward and five times backwards. I, I, it doesn't matter. Saints persevere. Do, do you have people you need to be praying for? What should it drive me to do in my life? Do I have people in my life, family members and friends? And I want to invite our guys to come up and lead us in a song now. Uh, do, do I have family members and friends? Do I have, do I have a son or daughter? Do I have brothers or sisters? Do I have people that, you know, they gave in lip service, but it just, then don't try to give them the assurance of their salvation. Pray for them. Beg God for them.